The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. Welcome to Jaws of Justice Radio on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. It's Monday morning. My name is Terry. Jaws of Justice Radio strives to investigate how to achieve justice in America, and this includes issues of economic injustice, political injustice, and the criminal justice system. We want to dispel the misconceptions created by the news and entertainment industry, politicians, and our educational system. We hope you will listen. We open today with host Macy Jones speaking with Malik Mikhail Shabazz of Street Life. They will share with listeners black history from a layman's perspective. We'll play the calendar at the midpoint of the hour. In the second part of our hour, I'll be speaking with Jesse Neville, chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, organizing campaigns for white reparations to the African community, and a former mayoral candidate in St. Petersburg, Florida. He's a young anti-Zionist Jewish man, well-studied and articulate in the history of Zionism, the development and use of international law, and the concept of genocide and on the colonial theft of the land of Palestine. The Uhuru Movement is an American-based socialist and African international movement founded in 1972 and led by the African People's Socialist Party. The FBI raided the Uhuru House in St. Petersburg, Florida in 2022 and thereafter charged four Americans and three Russians with conspiring to covertly sow discord in U.S. society. Uhuru denies the allegations. Indictments are anticipated to occur at any time. In the meantime, the Uhuru Movement Convention will be in St. Louis, Missouri on March 9th and 10th of 2024. This convention is open to all persons interested in the mission of the Uhuru Movement, which is uniting African people as one people for liberation, social justice, self-reliance, and economic development. On Jaws of Justice, we examine how to find justice in our society. 
Justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. Now, our show. Good morning. And I'd like to say thank you, uh, Markel, for being here with me this morning to talk about black history from uh, the perspective of a layman. So my first question to you is, how do you view, as a layperson, black history? Uh, first off, good morning. Good morning. And uh, as far as black history is concerned, you know, uh, they, they talk a lot about uh, Black Wall Street. Have you ever, Oklahoma, how they talk about Black Wall Street? You know, how they dis disenfranchise the whole thing. All right, right here in Kansas City, Indiana, disenfranchised. Prospect, disenfranchised. Those were the black communities. You know what I'm saying? They ran a freeway right down the middle of the hood. Right down the middle of the hood. They, the black businesses in the neighborhood had to suffer because they had to move. They moved, what, one, two, three, four, eight blocks from, 70, from, from, from 95th Street all the way downtown. They killed eight blocks in there. And that was all the black businesses. You don't have no, look at Prospect. The streets are raggedy now. Go on on uh, Main, go over on uh, Broadway, you know what I'm saying, where they refixing it up. They said they had uh, 100 million, they gave 100 million to Kansas City. Kansas City spent 92 million east, west of Truce, and eight east. So in, 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 the, in the structure of what's going on here, we have to be conscious that it's not so much as the people that are, are bad. It's the laws that they created back in the day to keep you submissive. And then the laws that are on the book to keep you submissive are still there. You know, so I'm saying like, like uh, uh, for me, you know what I'm saying, it, it's strange that the people the, in Kansas City didn't realize that they was looking at Black Wall Street in their own city. So that's the way that you view uh, black History Month, from the from the perspective of Black Wall Street. One, but you you can go you can go back, man. We, we can go back to Jim Crow, man. We can come from Jim Crow and come forward. We we can we can do the thing. You know, what I'm saying like, uh, it's always been a a, a a a stigma. You understand that I want to hold you down, so I'm gonna give you just enough to survive. I'm not gonna give you enough to succeed. I'm not gonna give you enough to be successful. I'm gonna give you just enough to survive. That way I keep you submissive. If I give you enough to be successful, you'll turn on me. So do you view this month of black uh, history, February being Black History Month, do you view this month as, how do you view this month? Hmm. Talking. Talking? Talking, yeah. What do you mean? Can you? You get uh, 11 months of white, one month of black. <laughs> so you, so that's how you view it. <laughs> that's how I view it. So you really, do you feel that it that that is needed? You know, you know, uh, a lot of things are needed, but the problem is, is that a lot of people don't vote, and the ones that do sometimes vote against their own interests. You know, uh, they they are constantly putting nonsense on the books. They're constantly doing, and it's all to keep you submissive. 
because you're black. Not because, but then again, I ain't going to say that because they keep the poor white and the poor black. We're in the hood together now. You know what I'm saying? They don't move all from West Side, Grandview, Raytown, wherever the devil they be in. And they in the hood now because they poor. And the hood was developed for poor people. And if you pay attention, as they move them from down north, they study moving them south. And they rebuilding down north. You know what I'm saying? And guess who's going there? Not you. Not me. <laughs> Excuse me. So, so that's your view. My view. So, but when this, when black history was started, it was a great historian by the name of Carter G. Woodson who, who brought about black history. And, and the purpose for that was to teach us you know, black America, their history. Get them, get them something of themselves to, to aid them. You don't, you don't believe that that was his, that 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 was a genuine move on his part, or that it, or that it shouldn't have never been a move made. Well, I'm saying like, any step forward is progress. I'm gonna take that, but at the same time, you understand what I'm saying. You have to know what you're facing to be successful. And if you are unconscious of what you're facing, just think, uh, white privilege, they got the best houses, they got the best women, they got the best jobs, they got the best furniture, they got the best everything. And they'll tell you that. And then as soon as their life turned to crap, they'll tell you a black man's fault that their life is crap. And they don't even know you. They punish you for things that you've never done. They punish you because they unsuccessful and you're the only person they got to beat down because the people like them, you know what I'm saying, they're all in the same boat. So do you feel that what Carter G. Woodson ideal, purpose, and reason for Black History Month, do you feel that it shouldn't have never, he should have, he should have done something else. Do you, I mean, can't you see that through his actions gave, uh, gave a lot of black Americans the opportunities to know themselves? Is, isn't that important? Well, I'm thinking like this here. Uh, do you know yourself? I know myself. I'm sure Terry knows herself. I don't need a month to figure out who I am. You know, I got a mother and a father. They keep me up on the history of the family. You know, my father's from Arkansas. He was from Arkansas. He's past now. And uh, <laughs> I remember one day I asked him for $5. He said, boy, I was lucky to get a quarter. You in here talking about $5. You know what I'm saying? They picked cotton. He picked cotton all the way up to he was 30 years old in Arkansas in the 40s and early 50s. He came to Kansas City in 55. You know what I'm saying? Met my mother. And the rest is history. But what I'm saying is, is once again, growing up, mama worked two jobs. Daddy worked two jobs. And we went to school. You understand what I'm saying? And mama was on us about staying in school, educating yourself, this, that, and the other. Because if you want to be successful, you got to be smarter than the next guy in the room. Or as smart. You know, uh, they've created roadblocks or Anvils in the street, you can say, 
to knock you over as you go along. They don't want you to succeed like you want to succeed. Now, if, if, if you have the tendency to become submissive to the right one, you can get on. But if you ain't submissive to the right one and you study speaking your mind and speaking the truth, they don't care. So what is your thought concerning uh, President Gerald Ford officially recognizing Black History Month in 1976. Yeah, Ford. Is Ford Tricky Dick? <laughs> yeah, that's Ford. He's a criminal, man. He was a criminal. He was your president, and he was a criminal. And what he was doing was, is taking, listen, man, over the years, just, just we can back all the way up to Jim Crow, right? When you, when you get to a point where wisdom, strength, and violence come into play, now we got to come up with a new deal. So they got rid of Jim Crow, and then they come out with the new Jim Crow, where they modified it. You need to read Michelle Alexander's book, uh, uh, the new, uh, what's the name of it? Uh, she's got a good book, I think it's called, uh, mm. I'm gonna get it before we get out here. I think that's it, Michelle Alexander. And she breaks it down all the way to the criminal system. She shows you how they abused you from birth all the way up junior high school, elementary school, high school, and on. I mean, they've got a plan to prevent you from being successful. And, and nine times out of 10, if you don't pay attention to what's really going on around you, you'll be in a train wreck. So. We're talking about the common man recognizing Black History Month and having knowledge of himself, of his history, that he does have a history. Uh, was this taught in school when you was going to school? I took black history. So I have a different, you know, they started black history my junior year, senior year in high school. They started having black history at Paseo, and uh, I took it. You know, because I wanted to know, I wanted to learn, you know. But like I said before, the whole structure is not the people. See, it's nothing wrong with the people. It's the people who enforce the laws that are put there for you. See, and if the laws are racist, then the people who enforce the laws don't necessarily have to be. They just enforcing racist laws. So during the time of slavery, wasn't there those, wasn't there white people there that aided and assisted? In, in the uh, frame. Okay, now you got me there. Let me see. It's uh, uh what is the one down here? Uh, where they killed the people? The uh, uh, Jamestown massacre. The white people came over here in servitude. Right, the white people got over here and they saw the slaves. The white people said servitude ain't no more than slavery. So when the blacks rioted, the whites rode. The poor whites rode with them. You know what I'm saying? So it's not a, a, a like it's about hit. It's the laws. See, they were enforcing laws that were obese on everybody. They was pressuring you po. Uh, oh, oh, oh. It's, they got this book, this story says that uh, the man on a, a, a farm, slave, he got a slave plantation. All right? He's got some uh, people working for him. Uh, so he tells them, you owe me so much because you're working off your debt. I loaned your mama or your daddy or whatever for you come over here in servitude. 
All right, so here's what I'm going to do for you. You see that land over there? Go over and get that land. He said, that's Indian land. I can't go over there and get that. He said, don't worry about it. You go over there and get it, put some stakes down. We're going to call the military in, and we're going to kill them. You know what I'm saying? Then they turn right around after they do that. You know what I'm saying? And say, hey, we sorry. We was trying to kill you, but we sorry. Yeah. And so you feeling that, that at that moment in time, should they forgave them? Was it was was the door open for them to show any type of forgiveness towards them? Yeah. Graveyard. They was killing people, man. This was, I mean, you know, come on now. You know, I, I, I've been oppressed. You know, like I said, I've been in prison. I know what it's like. And uh it's not like that out here. The people out here, see, in the prison we have tribalism. In the streets we have tribalism, but in different groups. Different groups of tribes, black tribes, white tribes, Mexican tribes, Indian tribes, but we don't call them tribes. We call them cliques or groups or gangbangers or whatever the devil you want to call them. But that's history. We've always protected ourselves. We come together as a group and we help each other. We protect each other, we help us get on our feet. Been doing it for years. So, Carter G. Woodson, Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> Frederick Douglass. You know, what are your thoughts on, on what Abraham Lincoln did with the 13th Amendment? They said slaves was killing their masters. And if we breed them like cattle, sooner or later they'll outnumber us and we'll have a problem. So what we're going to do is we're going to tell them they're free, give them 40 acres and a mule that nobody ever got that I know of, and then say, hey, y'all free. But you brought me over here from a country that, where I was living good. You brought me over here, made me a slave. Now you're going to free me in another country and tell me they can make it. It's like letting you out to penitentiary the first day for 30 years and say, hey, go get on your feet. No money in your pocket, no clothes on your back, just what you got on your back. Walk out the door and go get on your feet. That's what they did to the slaves. And it's been going on for years. And people still submit to it. They, they act like they can't pick up a book and read their own rights. You can't call a lawyer and ask them a question when somebody tells you that it's rude or, or it doesn't sound right. You know, uh, sometimes when we get into black and white situations, you know, my woman is white right off the top. You know, let's put it out there. So I'm saying, like, uh, I don't have a problem with white people. I don't have a problem with black people. I have a problem with Mexican people. I have a problem with corrupt people. See, corrupt people are always trying to get a leg up on you. They're not trying to meet you halfway in the middle or nothing like that. That's what it was about up on you. I'm a slave owner. You're my slave. Get out there and wash some dishes, clean the floor, mop the truck. And if you don't, I'm going to beat you. Or have somebody beat you. Raping your women. Victimizing you. And, it, and, it, and then they, they had this thing where they've been talking about on a, uh, uh, you know, when you have the psychological, your parents went through them psychological effects of slavery their parents went through, and it's been passed down through the generations. See, it's a little bit of it in you. It's a little bit of it in me, too. But it's been passed down through the generations. 
know what I'm saying? And as we educate ourselves, more people educate themselves and start calling attention to the things that are wrong, we can get it fixed. But until people start calling attention, as long as you, if, if they screwing you and you let them, whose fault is that? It's your fault. Okay, then. So, Black History Month, <clears throat> excuse me, Black History Month, in dealing, in getting to know, we got we got babies, we got we got children. I got seven. That okay, congratulations. <laughs> you know, but we got we got babies that uh that need to know black history. I understand where you, I understand where you coming from in your perspective. However, there's still some learning and educating that has to be done. When we, look, when we look in our city and we see what's taking place in our streets, homicide rates, you know, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't a white person. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm, you got to listen to the news. Hold on. It, it ain't a white person that done shot me. You know what I'm saying? It's not a white person that done shot me. Now, I know, I know where you're getting ready to go. I'm going to let you go ahead and say what you're going to say, but I know what you're getting ready to put out there. But go ahead and say what you got on your mind. Uh, you know, uh, in my opinion, this is just me. If you're a parent, you teach your kids, you raise your kids, you give them love, you give them education, you send them to where they can be smarter than you are, and you do the best you can with them to make them better than you. Now, my father and my mother, to make me better than them, all right? And I'm doing the same for my kids to make them better than me. But at the same time, I have a paralegal degree, I have an associate's degree. I'm an educated black man, so I educate my kids. I keep them on point. That ain't right, go do that, do it like this. That's your job as a parent. And what we have out here now is a bunch of kids raising kids. Mama on crack, daddy in jail, I'm raising myself. So that's the view of this month for you. You're looking at it. You see it every day. So Black History Month really has no bearing or effect on you. It shouldn't have any effect on anybody because it's something that they made up. That you make something up and say, oh, here, this is going to be good. You can have this. You have the whole month. And I'm supposed to be grateful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to be grateful. Hey, 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 ain't that what they say? Be grateful. I gave you something. <coughs> but can we look beyond the fact of what Gerald Ford did and recognize that Carter G. Woodson is the father, founder? You know, he's the one that, you know, said, hey, we need to, we need to get teach our kids, students, about themselves so that they can properly understand what's taking place. But see, here's the deal, man. You, you, you're saying you, you want to teach them, but you got to get there. You know, like when the news, watch the news, when they say a man killed somebody, he's white. If they say a black man killed somebody, he's black. Listen to the news, pay attention. When they say a man killed somebody, and don't say a race, He's white. If he's Mexican, they say. If he's black, they say. If he's white, they just say a man. Pay attention. Yeah. 
you have some valid points from a layman's position. And in this month that has been given us to celebrate our history or that was given to officially recognize our contributions to America, everyone should have some knowledge of self and what is, what is important and the laws that are built up against them. Is there one thing, anything else that you would like to say? Uh, I enjoyed this day. I enjoy your company. I'd like to come back again and speak again if possible. But uh, as far as black history is concerned, it's our history. We're making it every day. And on that point, I'd like to thank you, Mikhail Shabazz, for being here with me today. And I'm Macy Jones, and I appreciate you, man. All right. You have a good one. You too. Support for KKFI provided by the Kansas City Repertory Theater, presenting the play Nina Simone, Four Women, with performances from February 13th through March 3rd at their downtown Copaken stage. Audiences can experience the journey of Nina Simone's iconic music and the stories of four extraordinary women in Nina Simone, Four Women, a play featuring Nina's music performed live. More information and tickets are available at kcrep.org. Coming up Thursday, February 15th at 7 p.m. on the People Power Hour brought to you by KC Tenants, we will continue talking about the Tenant Right to Counsel program. The Right to Counsel program provides legal counsel to Kansas City tenants facing eviction. Our guest will be Brian Larios, UMKC School of Law adjunct clinical professor and managing attorney for the Tenant Assistance Initiative. Do not go to eviction court without an attorney. You will lose. Tune in to the People Power Hour brought to you by KC Tenants on February 15th at 7 p.m. KKFI has a fun drive coming up soon, and we're always looking for members of our community to come down to the station and be on the air as a pitch partner during our fun drives. Help share the good word about community radio. Interested folks can go online to kkfi.org volunteer to apply. If you can't give your money, you can always give your voice. Now the calendar for the week of February 12th. Legal Aid of Western Missouri provides free civil legal services to low-income and vulnerable people in Jackson County, Missouri. If you're interested, please call 816-474-6750 to apply. Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America is a very active group of mothers and others. You can learn where their virtual meetings this week will occur at momsdemandaction.org. Please check the calendar at moresquare.org for events you can attend. You can get involved. A list of services, meals, and hotlines are available at lawrenceprogressivecalendar.blogspot.com. The list is updated daily. Monday, February 12th, noon to 3 p.m., Community Expungement Clinic at the Lawrence Public Library, 707 Vermont, Lawrence, Kansas. Do you know someone who needs their criminal records removed? The University of Kansas School of Law's Legal Aid Clinic will help with expungement of criminal records free of charge. 
Thursday, February 15th, 5 to 7 p.m., Hope and Healing for Survivors of Homicide has a support group at 3200 Wayne Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri. This is an adult support group. To RSVP, please call 816-912-2601. Friday, February 16th, 2 to 5 p.m., Expungements Kansas Legal Services SOMSA Project 944 Kentucky, Lawrence, Kansas. Kansas Legal Services Expungement Clinic pre-apply today. Contact them at 785-256-9564 or KLSReferral at klsinc.org. Saturday, February 17th, 2 to 4 p.m., DocuFest 2024, LGBTQ plus at the Wyandotte County Public Health Department Auditorium, third floor, 619 Ann Avenue, Kansas City, Kansas. Standing up for racial justice, Casey Films, documenting LGBTQ plus life challenges, followed by discussion. Sunday, February 18th, 6 p.m., JOCO Move On meeting is at PEGAS. 11005 Johnson Drive, Shawnee Mission, Kansas. Guest speakers are attending. Please come if you can. Everyone is welcome. My name is Terry, reminding you that these events and more can be found on the Jaws of Justice radio page on the KKFI website, kkfi.org, as well as on the Jaws of Justice Facebook page. Stay safe. Thanks to all our listeners. Stay close to your dial and stay well. We'll now return to our program. Good morning. For listeners who are wondering by now, Uhuru is the Swahili word for freedom. And I'm lucky this morning I'm getting to speak with Jesse Neville. He's currently chair of the American-based Socialist and African People's Socialist Party. Uhuru believes capitalism was born parasitic through attack on Africa and its people. And in 1972, the FBI, it it was founded, and it was most recently chaired by Omali Yeshitela, and now by our guest, Jesse Neville. So, Jesse, say hello to the listeners. Uh, Hello. Thank you for having me. And and just uh, one clarification uh, Omali Yeshitela is is uh, the chairman of the African People's Socialist Party and overall Uhuru movement. And I work under the leadership of Chairman Omali uh, with the specific work of organizing in the white community to build solidarity with the, the black liberation struggle and the movement led by the African People's Socialist Party, which is an all African organization uh, led by the African working class. Thank you for that. Where I read on the internet and in um, publications about Uhuru, it said Jesse Neville chair. So are you acting chair? How how is Omali? That's my question. I think. Yeah, yeah, he's he's great. He's an incredible uh, leader of of the African liberation movement. Uh, Chairman Omali Shatella has been fighting to. Uh, advance the struggle of African people for liberation and self-determination 
for more than 60 years of his life uh, since the time that he worked in the 1960s as a member of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and, and went on to found the Junta of Militant Organizations and then co-founded the African People's Socialist Party in 1972. Uh, the specific component of the Uhuru movement that I have the honor to be the chair of is called the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, which is a specific uh, front of the African People's Socialist Party that extends the struggle for African liberation and the demand for reparations to African people for hundreds of years of slavery and genocide and colonialism that built the wealth of white people and built this country. Uh, it takes that struggle into the white community, into the colonizer population. And that's that's the part of the organization that, that I'm honored to be a part of and which again is was created by and is led by the African People's Socialist Party, which is led by Chairman Omali Shatella. So it's really important because it's one of the things that that really distinguishes the work of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement from anything else that's out there, that we are a front of the African Liberation Movement created, led by, accountable to the leadership of the African Revolution and African people themselves. Thank you for that, Jesse. So in other words, Uhuru is a completely integrated organization. And so that's a good segue to one of the reasons we've had you on. The National Convention is coming up March 9th and 10th in St. Louis this year. So we have listeners all over the world, Jesse, but a large number of our listeners are in the greater Kansas City area. Mm -hmm. Kansas, Kansas is a bi-state town. Kansas and Missouri, and nothing could be easier than to go to the Uhuru Convention. Would you That's like right. to, we're, we're going to start on this and we'll end on this too. Uh, so where is the convention? How does a person find out about it? What What is the convention about? Thank you. Thank you for, for asking that. And I definitely want to extend a warm invitation to, to you uh, and to all of your listeners to come to St. Louis on March 9th and 10th for our national convention. This is the annual national conference organized by the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, organizing white people under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party to stand in principled unity and solidarity with African people, and by extension, with all colonized and oppressed peoples around the world, including the indigenous people of this country, we, we recognize that we unite with the position of the African People's Socialist Party that this land is the land of the indigenous people that was stolen at gunpoint, and that just as there is a settler colonial occupation of the land of the Palestinian people, there is the settler colonial occupation here of the land of the indigenous people. Uh, and, and also it brings us into unity with the Palestinian people, with all oppressed peoples around the world. And the theme of this year's conference is no more genocide in our name. This is an opportunity for us in the white community to say that we refuse to allow the US government to go around the world and maim and torture and kill colonized peoples in our name. And we refuse to walk over the graves of African, indigenous and Mexican people who are colonized right here within the borders 
of the United States to say that we oppose what the same system, the same colonial mode of production, as Chairman O'Malley Chatella calls it, is doing to oppress peoples around the world. So this convention is an opportunity to actually meet and hear from the leaders of the Uhuru movement, first and foremost, Chairman O'Malley himself, who will be the keynote speaker, as well as Deputy Chair Ona Zanea Chatella, Akile Anai, who's the Director of Media and Communications for the African People's Socialist Party, and Mwesi Odom, who's the Secretary General of the party and also leads the uh, Hands Off of Huru campaign. Penny Hess, who's the Chair of the African People's Solidarity Committee that I'm a part of, which has been in existence for almost 50 years since the party created the Solidarity Committee in 1976, and many other uh, incredible speakers. And, and it's, it's not just a talk fest. It's a call to action. It's a place to get training and resources on how to actually go out into your community in Kansas City and build white solidarity with black power, build anti-colonial solidarity with African, indigenous, Palestinian and oppressed peoples around the world and say no more genocide in our name. And I'll, I'll you know, encourage people to go to no more com. That's eventbee.com. You can also go to uhurusolidarity.org to get more information and register for this powerful conference. We want people from all over the state of Missouri and all over the country and beyond to come to St. Louis. And finally, that this convention this year has a heightened urgency because, as our listeners may know, the uh, Uhuru movement, the African People's Socialist Party, is currently under vicious attack by the U.S. government in the form of FBI raids that were carried out against the homes and offices of the Uhuru movement in seven different locations in Missouri and Florida in about a year and a half ago, in July of 2022. They came in and raided the home of Chairman O'Malley Chatella uh, and with battering rams, assault rifles, SWAT gear, handcuffed him uh, and Deputy Chair Ona, did the same thing to uh, six other locations of the movement throughout Missouri and Florida, and then nine months later came out with this bogus indictment against Chairman O'Malley Chatella, Penny Hess, and myself, which has come to be known as the Uhuru Three, on bogus charges that Chairman O'Malley, who has been fighting again, he's 82 years old, he's been fighting for the liberation of African people for more than 60 years of his life, the U.S. government expects people to believe that in 2014 he suddenly became a pawn in a criminal Russian conspiracy to sow discord in the United States, as if African people need Russians to tell them that they are being shot down in the streets of this country by the police and stuffed into the prisons and need to struggle for their liberation. Uh, it, it's absolutely absurd, and we are pushing back against this. There's an incredible movement that has emerged, the anti-colonial free speech movement that has emerged uh, with support from people across the political and ideological spectrum who see this case as an incredibly dangerous attack on free speech. Uh, the free speech rights that that um, you know enable us to be able to speak out and say that we stand for the liberation of African people, that we stand for the liberation of Palestine. Those rights are coming under attack and this case is the test case. So it's incredibly urgent and important for people to come to St. Louis March 9th and 10th for no more genocide in our name. And we warmly invite all of the listeners to join us uh, for the Uhuru Solidarity Movement National Convention. Uh, thank you for that, Jesse. You are a very good talker, 
Let's tell the listeners again where the website is to get information about the convention. The website is uh, nomoregenocide.eventb.com, and it's the word B, like B-E-E. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. At March 9th and 10th in St. Louis. And so that, that will be fabulous. Thank you for referring to your recent history. So Uhuru was founded in 1972, and there are many incidents of, I would have to objectively understand, this is just my opinion, kind of relatively mild demonstration uh, showing up at events and saying, we're Uhuru and this is our position, not, you know, rioting or anything, not inciting to riot. There's nothing like that involved. And then you referred to they came into your quarters in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, and in St. Louis, Missouri, in July of 2022. But let's make it crystal clear, they is the FBI, the Department of Justice. They is us. (laughs) And I mean, if if we're all American citizens, and uh, so there was battering rams involved, and th- that would be intimidating for sure to anyone in the house. And when it is all said and done, then the Department of Justice made um, an indictment of for Uhuru members, you're included, for sowing discord, mm-hmm. interfering with elections, and mm-hmm. Russian propaganda. Right. And I know that Uhuru made uh, moved against that indictment, and that's mm-hmm. our most recent yeah. history. That was denied, again, by the courts, I gather. Right, yeah. Um yeah, just just to kind of speak to some of that, um, there is a video actually that people can see at handsoffofuru.org that shows actual like uh, you know security camera footage of the raids, and it I think it's important for people to see what the FBI did on July 29th of 2022. This was not um, you know FBI agents showing up in with in suits with briefcases you know, flashing their badge and saying, we got a search warrant. This was a full scale military style attack with armored vehicles, uh, SWAT teams in tactical gear with assault rifles, and not just two or three, but dozens, dozens of them. Was there any crime going on in these locations? No, this was at, this was at five o'clock in the morning. Right. In fact, in fact, I'll tell you what was happening at the chairman's home. He and his wife, Deputy Chair Ona Zanejatela, were awake at five in the morning, sitting at their kitchen table. And Deputy Chair Ona was getting ready to drive just a few minutes from her house to the uh, Uhuru House Community Center in North St. Louis to preside over a training of African women to become doulas and birth workers. Because in the city of St. Louis, you have these statistics that say that over uh, enough black babies die from infant maternal mortality every year to fill 15 kindergarten classrooms. And the government is not doing anything about that. But the Uhuru movement, which represents the power of the people, the power of the African community, is doing something about that. That's what uh, what they were getting ready to do that morning when 
the FBI suddenly showed up at five in the morning and on a loudspeaker announced, uh, this is the FBI, come out with your hands up, nothing in your hands, follow orders, right? So this is this is what happened. And again, they did the same thing to Aquile and St. Pete. Uh, and they also came to the home of Penny Hess and and uh, the comrade that, that lives in the same house, Kitty Riley. And they came to my house where I live with my wife, who is also a member of the Hru Solidarity Movement, Amanda, and handcuffed both of us and proceeded to raid our apartment and the Uhuru Solidarity Center uh, for six and a half hours. And they did the same thing at the Uhuru House in St. Petersburg. So you can see all this footage um, of, of what they did. And uh, in terms of the status of this case, and, and just one, one quick point about that as well, that um, you know what what they did on July 29th is not inconsistent with how they have treated the African liberation movement historically. Uh, they they have, you know, they've functioned in the same way in the attacks they've made. Going back to the 1920s, the FBI targeted Marcus Garvey, who led a similar movement to unite and liberate African people around the world. They put him in prison on trumped up bogus charges of mail fraud. And then, of course, the 1950s and 60s, you had Pro where the U.S. government, the FBI, specifically uh, carried out a counterinsurgency program against the Black Power Movement and the Civil Rights Movement and orchestrated the assassinations of Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and over 30 members of the Black Panther Party, including Fred Hampton in Chicago, who was killed as he slept in his bed at 4 o'clock in the morning on December, uh, in December of 1969. So this is what was in the background on July 29th when this raid was was going on. And where this case is at right now is that there is a trial that's expected to happen in, in uh, September of this year. But the struggle to get the indictment thrown out of court entirely is not over. Uh, the denial that came from the court was actually a recommendation from a magistrate judge. So we filed an objection on Friday night to that recommendation. And now both of those legal filings go before the district judge and the district judge is the one who makes the final ruling on whether or not this thing will actually go forward to trial so that is still open um we're still pushing on that front and meanwhile like the chairman says uh we we're pushing the political struggle on the ground because the way that we can beat these charges is by building a movement for anti-colonial free speech, building a movement that defends the right of African people to advocate and organize for their liberation. And, and that recognizes what a profoundly dangerous precedent this would be if this prosecution was allowed to go forward. It would mean the end of any semblance of free speech in this country. They would be able to indict anyone at any time for saying anything they don't like all they would have to say is, well, the Russians told them to say it or the Chinese told them to say it or whatever else. And as I'm sure many of your listeners saw, uh, it was actually only a day after the magistrate's recommendation came out. Nancy Pelosi, the former Speaker of the House of Representatives, went on national TV and uh, and and called for the FBI to investigate protesters who are supporting the struggle of the Palestinian people. Uh, for ties to Russia. So they're attempting to obliterate the First Amendment. And they it's it always starts with an attack on African people and the African liberation movement. 
And that is why this is the most important free speech battle happening in this country right now, which is something that has, again, has been recognized by people across this, the political spectrum. Uh, and and we, we encourage people to get involved in the anti-colonial free speech movement uh, at handsoffahuru.org. Well, I want to thank you for having this organization and disseminating your point of view that people are oppressed by capitalism and that we're operating in the face of racism and uh, a sort of um, superiority of all minority groups. It's very important. And black history, the art, historically, what we see is that the FBI, as you said, has gone in and killed people who were involved in these political organizations. And I'm grateful to see that no one was hurt during this Uhuru a year and a half. I think good because in the, the history of violence by the authorities, Department of Justice, Department of Justice has looked bad, has looked like a murderer. So they yep. have quit doing physical harm, but now then they can do financial harm and oppress people and set court precedent that restricts us all from speaking our opinion. And certainly on Jaws of Justice, we defend people's rights to speak mm -hmm. their opinion. And so I, I think it's very important work that you're doing. Now, one of my favorite ways that you have of spreading your opinion is in your online newspaper, The Burning Spear. Mm -hmm. So that's at burningspear.com. And right. I'm happy to say that this current edition has got a radio, uh, a picture of a radio station on it. We're a radio station, and we believe that that's a very powerful way to get the word out to the people is using radio. We live stream around the world. It's good, Jesse, that you're doing this. So give us again the websites and the way to uh, be involved with the convention coming up just in a couple of weeks. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciated the opportunity to speak with you and, and your listeners there. Uh, and, uh, you know, we want to build the Uhuru Solidarity Movement in Kansas City. So that's something that interests anyone who's listening right now. You can get in touch with us. You can email us at info at uhurusolidarity.org. That's U-H-U-R-U, -U, info at uhurusolidarity.org. And you can find more information about our national convention on March 9th and 10th, No More Genocide in Our Name, at nomoregenocide.eventb.com. And join the Hands Off Uhuru anti-colonial free speech movement at handsoffuhuru.org. And so um, we've been speaking with Jesse Neville, and you are chair of the Solidarity Movement. Now, don't go away without saying a few um, very important words about the problems in Palestine, the problems with the oppression, the genocide in Palestine. Well, I think that's that's very important because uh, the eyes of the world right now are bearing witness to this hideous genocide that the U.S. backed settler state of Israel is carrying out against the Palestinian people. 
as well as the the incredibly courageous resistance of the Palestinian people who continue to fight to free their land. And the Uhuru Solidarity Movement speaks for all of us, including Jews, who believe that we have a responsibility, including myself as a Jewish person, to fully unite with the Palestinian people to say that the Palestinian people have a right to free their land from the river to the sea. Every last millimeter of that land belongs to the Palestinian people and that we refuse to allow the colonial system, the U.S. government, the, the government of Israel to use the suffering of Jews at the hands of other Europeans and what is characterized as the Nazi Holocaust as a justification to perpetrate a Holocaust against the Palestinian people. Uh, we find that absolutely unacceptable, and we believe that it is the responsibility and the interest of all Jews to unite with the Palestinian people, to unite with the African liberation movement, and to join the struggle against colonialism so all human beings can live in genuine peace with no one profiting and ex at the exploitation and suffering of another. Thank you, Jesse Neville. Uh, thank, thank you, you for you. being on Jaws of Justice today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Support for KKFI provided by the Kansas City Repertory Theater, presenting the play Nina Simone, Four Women, with performances from February 13th through March 3rd at their downtown Copaken stage. Audiences can experience the journey of Nina Simone's iconic music and the stories of four extraordinary women in Nina Simone, Four Women, a play featuring Nina's music performed live. More information and tickets are available at kcrep.org. Coming up Thursday, February 15th at 7 p.m. on the People Power Hour, brought to you by KC Tenants, we will continue talking about the Tenant Right to Counsel program. The Right to Counsel program provides legal counsel to Kansas City tenants facing eviction. Our guest will be Brian Larios, UMKC School of Law adjunct clinical professor. This is Mike Sargent with This Day in Racial Injustice. On this day back in 1826, a white North Carolina man offered a $20 reward to capture an enslaved black man. A newspaper headline at the time read, White North Carolina Man Offers Reward for Capture of Enslaved Black Man Who, quote, Escaped to Visit His Wife. Alfred Moore wrote in a reward poster that the black man was probably lurking in Pasquotank County, where his wife was enslaved. Moore offered the reward to any white person who captured the man and returned him or secured him in the jail so that Moore could go get him. The historical record doesn't reveal whether this black man, identified as only Joe in the reward poster, was ever captured or returned to Moore, reunited with his wife, or able to reach freedom. People who were enslaved frequently suffered extreme physical violence as punishment or as a warning against running away, visiting a spouse, or trying to prevent the sale of their relatives. Joe was one of countless black people enslaved in the U.S. who dared to love 
and to seek freedom before the end of the Civil War. For years after chattel slavery ended in the 1865 passage of the 13th Amendment, black people placed ads in church bulletins and local newspapers throughout the country looking for their loved ones and friends. This has been This Day, February 11th in Racial Injustice from the Equal Rights Initiative, and this is listener-sponsored WBAI in New York. KKFI has a fun drive coming up soon, and we're always looking for members of our community to come down to the station and be on the air as a pitch partner during our fun drives. Help share the good word about community radio. Interested folks can go online to kkfi.org volunteer to apply. If you can't give your money, you can always give your voice. We hope you enjoyed today's show and that we leave you with something to think about, something to talk to your neighbors about, and a reason to get involved. As always, the opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests of Jaws of Justice Radio, not necessarily of KKFI, the Midcoast Radio Project Incorporated, its staff, or volunteers. You can find our calendar of events and a link to our show episodes and podcasts under the News and Public Affairs tab on the KKFI website, kkfi.org. If you have a show idea or want to volunteer to produce the show, please click on the contact link at the top of the KKFI webpage. Tune in for the rest of the 9 a.m. weekday lineup with Arts Magazine on Tuesday, Artspeak Radio on Wednesday, Cowtown Conversations on Thursday, and between the lines at 9 a.m., followed by Understanding Israel-Palestine at 9.30 on Fridays. Up next this morning is Dr. Mike's Morning Medicine Show, followed at noon by the 45 Hive with Clinton Martins. Stick around for the Jazz Canadian at 2 p.m. and Blues with Mother's Mix at 4 p.m. You can go back to Information Radio with Eco Radio KC at 6 p.m., followed by Law and Disorder at 7 p.m. Then round out your day south of the border with Fiesta Musicale at 8 and Noche Magica at 10 p.m. Please keep your dial on 90.1 FM, home of Kansas City Community Radio.